The Antifreeze Suicide Case When Ashley Wallace was a little girl in Weedsport, New York, she wanted a little brother to play with. She felt disappointed when her mother, Stacy, told her she was going to have a little sister. Ashley would eventually be grateful to have a little sister. Her sister, Bree, would one day save her life. But as children, they experienced sibling rivalry. Before the sisters were grown, they would experience unfathomable evil. It would destroy their family. In 1997, they were enjoying being kids. Ashley loved hanging out with her dad, Michael, who was a mechanic. Michael was 250 pounds of pure muscle, rugged good looks, and spirit. He enjoyed drinking and partying. When he met Stacy, his family thought she would be a good influence on Michael. She worked for an ambulance dispatch company. She was solid and dependable. She made a good wife and mother. Stacy gained the reputation of wearing the pants in the family. The, discipline, the disciplining came from their mom, Stacy, and the affection came from their dad, Michael. Stacy also controlled the finances because Michael was irresponsible with money. Other than arguing over money, they seemed happy. It was love at first sight when Stacy first met Michael in 1985 at 17. In December 1999, Stacy became irritable and edgy. Soon after that, Michael became ill. Ashley and Bree thought their dad had the flu. He was throwing up and having trouble walking. He went to the doctor. The doctor treated him for an inner ear infection. He didn't seem to be getting any better. By Christmas Eve, Michael's condition had deteriorated. He went to Christmas dinner at his mother's house. He looked horrible. He was bloated. His face was bloated. His hands were bloated. His breathing sounded horrible. He was coughing. He looked and felt awful. His family thought the next time they saw him, he'd be better. The next time never came. The first new year of the new millennium, Ashley Wallace's life changed. At 11 years old, she returned home from school to find her dad lying on the couch. He made a funny noise, put his arm up, then put his arm back down. And that was the last time he moved. She was there 30 minutes with him by herself. Michael Wallace was rushed to the hospital by an ambulance. 
They couldn't revive him. Everybody was in shock that he was gone. The doctor determined Michael had had a heart attack. But his sister Rosemary was skeptical. She suggested Stacy have an autopsy. Stacy said no. It would be several years before Bree and Ashley learned the truth behind their dad's untimely death. Stacy gave a tearless eulogy to the husband she called her soulmate. After the funeral, they fell into a routine with a few changes. They ate fast food out all of the time. Stacy was always going out with her friends when she wasn't on the internet. She seemed to disconnect from her daughters. Over the next three years, their mom became more like a friend than a mother. In 2002, David Castor entered their lives. He had a successful heating company. Stacy was swept off her feet. They went snowmobiling, four-wheeling, and camping. <clears throat> the majority of the time, the sisters were left alone. She forgot about them again. Stacy and David were married a year later in 2003. He was estranged from his family after a bad divorce, so he didn't invite them to the wedding, not even his son, David Jr. The three of them moved into David's home in Liverpool, New York, an upgraded lifestyle. Stacy had access to a huge bank, bank account and a nice home. Everything she could possibly want. The sisters had nicer clothes to wear, nicer things in general. The sisters and David didn't bond right away. David was very particular with his things, which was an issue with the teenage girls. He once wrote his name on a box of Pop-Tarts. As time passed, a truce was struck between Ashley and Bree and their stepdad. It was so much easier to get along than to argue every day. Ashley started to think of her dad, her stepdad as a father figure. It made her very happy that he came to her high school graduation where he smiled like a proud father. Even though his relationship with the girls was strengthening, his marriage to Stacy was disintegrating. They would eat dinner in complete silence. When David was through, he'd get up from the table and go to his room. On their second anniversary in 2005, their romantic plans fell through after a disagreement. Soon, history would repeat itself. David was rarely seen that fateful weekend. 
Stacy claimed he had started drinking after their disagreement and was sleeping it off. News of David's death spread like wildfire through their town. David Jr. was told his dad committed suicide. He drove to his father's house. There was police officers everywhere on both sides of the street. Suicide by men are usually committed in a sudden, abrupt manner. Suicide by antifreeze ingestion is unusual. It's a slow and painful way to die. The investigative team started asking questions. Was there life insurance? Was there domestic tranquility in the home? Was he involved in narcotics or gambling? Stacy told the investigators that David had been going through a lot. His company was, wasn't doing well, and he was depressed about the passing of his father a few months back. The medical examiner submitted his report. He signed the death certificate as a suicide. Ashley and Bree didn't believe their stepfather had taken his life. With David's death ruled as a suicide, Stacy was free to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. If it wasn't for a police officer who found an unusual piece of evidence in a wastebasket, a new turkey baster. Not only was antifreeze found in the turkey baster, but David Castor's DNA on the tip of the turkey baster. The turkey baster was believed to have been used to force feed antifreeze to David. But who was the who but who was the killer? Stacy or was there someone else with a strong motive? The investigative team started to interview family and friends. The investigation was ongoing for two years. David had left his entire estate to Stacy, a red flag. The only thing he left David Jr. was a car. Along with the financial motive, Stacy's fingerprints were found on the glass that contained the antifreeze. Plus, her behavior was suspicious. The weekend David died, he was acting disoriented and bizarre. He was throwing up. At one point, she had to call friends to come over and help her get him back into bed. Why didn't someone pick up the phone and call an ambulance? While Stacy and her daughters enjoyed the bounty of David's estate by going on trips and buying new furniture, a case was being built against Stacy. The more the investigative team found out about the circumstances of Michael Wallace's death, the more bizarre this case became. A month before Michael Wallace died, he visited a doctor complaining of strange symptoms. 
Michael felt as though he were intoxicated, even though he hadn't been drinking. This is a classic sign of antifreeze intoxication or poisoning. There was now enough evidence to have a judge order the exhumation of Michael Wallace. The medical examiner saw the telltale crystals that are the result of ethylene glycol in the body. Proof Ashley and Bree's dad had been the victim of a, of a slow poisoning over a period of a couple weeks. This is the point when Stacy Castor realized she was backed into a corner. Now, what was her only option? The police were getting closer to arresting the woman who would become known as the Black Widow. The police were waiting on the final toxicology report. No one could have seen Stacy's next move. Stacy asked Ashley to spend the evening with her. The first drink Stacy gave Ashley looked cloudy and it tasted funny. She drank it and she got wasted. It was strange because she shouldn't have been in that condition after just a drink. She ended up throwing up. She went to bed to sleep off the alcohol. Her mom came in and gave her a pill, a long white pill, that she claimed was Tylenol. The next day, Ashley went to school even though she felt hungover. When she got home, she accepted another drink from her mom. The next day, Bree was getting ready for school when she heard a strange noise coming from Ashley's bedroom. Bree checked it out. Ashley's eyes were glassed over. She had thrown up. There was throw up all over the bed and in her hair. She called her name. Ashley didn't answer. She shook Ashley and she didn't wake up. That morning, the investigators who were listening on the wiretap heard a 911 call. It looked as though Ashley had tried to commit suicide in remorse of the deaths of her father and stepfather. A detailed letter was left on her pillow. Did her own mother try to kill her and frame her for the murders? The investigative team who had been building a case against Stacy for two years told the hospital personnel to check for ethylene glycol intoxication. The lab report itself was over a page long of the stuff her mother had given her. When Ashley finally came to, she found herself in a waking nightmare. Stacy Castor was arrested for the murder of her husband, David, before she left the hospital. The next time Ashley and Bree would see their mother would be in court. The case went to court almost two years later in January, on January 13, 2009. In the witness stand, Ashley was just 20 feet from her mom. It was the first time in 16 months she had seen her. Stacy Castor didn't look 
at her once during the four grueling hours she gave testimony and her mom didn't react to the testimony. The trial lasted for three and a half weeks. The last witness to take the stand was, was Stacy Castor. By the end of the trial, a strong case had been presented. The jury deliberated for four days. Stacy Castor's final sentence was 25 years to life for the killing of David Castor, 25 years for the attempted murder of Ashley Wallace, and one and one-third to four years for the forgery of David Castor's will. All three sentences to be served consecutively. She cannot even appeal in front of a parole board for 51 and a third years, at which time she'll be 92 years old. This concludes the Antifree Suicide Case.